Anyway, welcome. Thank you for being here today. Uh, glad that you are here with us. It's going to be hard to believe, but in a few weeks, we as a church will celebrate 13 years of Life Tree Community Church. Isn't that awesome? It was on, yeah, come on, we can clap for that. It was on October 10th, 2010, that a wonderful group of people, some of whom are in the room today, met over at the Sharon Elementary School in the cafeteria, cafetorium. How many of you were here on October 10th, 2010? All right, you can look around. We got some, we got a few of you. Uh, yeah, Lucas, you were born. I don't know, how old were you? 13 years ago, what were you? Yeah, he was not even one yet. All right, you were there. You were there, and you were there physically. You were there. You know, you may not remember, but you were there. This picture actually popped up on my Facebook memories this week. Uh, this was—I mean, we were children, children. This was in our house at the, uh, in what we called the uh, the lodge. It was our breezeway. It had no heat, no air conditioning. So uh, that was Pastor Frank. Remember Pastor Frank, Pastor Kevin, and myself. And we were just, uh, we had no idea what we were doing. It was our first office, and we were like, let's have a meeting. Um, and so I don't know what we talked about. That was, uh, that room isn't, doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> um, it, it was, I had a lot, look at that hair. It was much less gray. Yeah, there was like, it was, that, man. Uh, none of us had ever started a church before. We had no idea what we were doing, but that didn't stop us. Uh, we were eager and young and excited about you know, the, the impact Life Tree was going to have and just full of hope about everything. Um, a lot has happened in the past 13 years. Uh, I mean, so everybody who didn't raise your hand, you've come along the way, you know, through those years. A lot of people have come here and been part of the church through the years. A lot of life has happened. Um, lost track of how many babies have been born and dedicated. We've had weddings and funerals and comings and goings, parties where we celebrated together, all sorts of good times. I don't know how many brunches, thunches and munches and crunches and funches and all sorts of things. We've had difficult times where we've cried together. So many people have been a part of our church for the last 13 years. It's been an honor and a privilege to be part of it all. Some of the best times of my life have been with you all. And don't worry, I'm not getting ready to say I'm leaving. That's not what, <laughs> nothing like that. Some of you are like, where's he, where's he going with this? No, um, I can just say with certainty that Life Tree today, though, as, as, as incredible as these 13 years have been, Life Tree today is not the church we were 13 years ago. We've changed. So much has changed. I'm not who I was, first of all, clearly older, much older. I don't know about the wiser, but clearly older. Um, uh, you're not who you were. Uh, you've not aged at all, but you, you still look fantastic. Um, the world is not what it was. And so the church is just clearly not what it was. Uh, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's just different. We're just not the same church that we were when we started. Uh, we're not the same people. Many things have changed. And though many things have changed, some things are never going to change. Some things will never change. God is the same today as he was when we started 13 years ago, as he's always been. God doesn't change. Same yesterday, today, and forever. The reason we're a church today is the same reason we were a church 13 years ago. What God has called us to do here is the same thing God called us to do 13 years ago. So here's the question. Do you know what that is? <laughs> do you know what we as a church are here to do? Like, not generally, but specifically. Like, do you know what we're doing here? <laughs> like, why are we doing this? 
and I'm not going to put anybody on the spot, so don't worry. I'm going to tell you. Um, our vision has always been, our mission has been to live up to our name, right? To, to be a, like a tree of life for our community as we are a local community church. I mean, doesn't that sound good? It sounds good, right? It sounds pretty good. Um, I, and it is really good. Uh, but there's a problem, see? And, and, and it's not just a problem for you. It's, it's a problem for me. Uh, and I've realized this in the past few, probably past few months, maybe a year. Um, over time, it can be very easy to forget what that actually means. What does it mean to be a source of life for our community and be a church? We can hear the words and have a general idea of what they mean, but their vibrance can be lost to us. Their power is, is sort of diminished. If I were to put you on the spot and say, what are we, what are we doing as a church? What are we here to do? Or more importantly, what are we supposed to be doing? If I were to just single you out and say, okay, right now, you stand up and tell the church, what are we supposed to be doing? What would you say? Like, why do we do this? Why are you here today? Like, we know, we know generally we're supposed to be here. We've got lots of good things, but what are we supposed to be doing? What's the measure of success? How do we know if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing? When God looks at us as a church, what is he asking of us? And so as we approach sort of this 13-year anniversary of our church, we thought it would be important to sort of remind ourselves, refresh that. We're in a year of awakening, right? We said this has been a year of awakening and that it's time to put our faith in action. And it's time to remind ourselves, what are we doing here? What are we doing? And not like, what are we doing? <laughs> but like, what are we doing? So it's all about, you know, the emphasis on the right syllable. All right. So over the next few weeks, we're going to rediscover, reawaken, maybe for you for the first time. Maybe you've never heard this. Maybe, you, maybe you've not ever known this. So this is a great day for you if you're new, if you're first time or just, just kind of checking out. Hey, this is a great opportunity because you're going to understand over the next few weeks why we're a church and what we're here to do and what this is all about. There's three elements, really, three essential things, as we said, that mark the measure of our success, and three things that we could point to and say, that is what we're here to do. That is what we're here to do, and it's really important because without that, we can spend a lot of time and energy doing things. We hope to be good, yet missing the main thing. So this is one of those keeping the main thing the main thing is the main thing reminder, right? So I'm going to tell you what the three things are in that then we're going to examine them one at a time each week to make sure that we're crystal clear on what we're doing. If we don't have that, remember Alice in Wonderland? It's a famous, you know, this, this scene in Alice in Wonderland. She's lost. She doesn't know which way to go. And she asked the Cheshire Cat, would you tell me, please, which way I ought to go from here? You guys know this. The Cheshire Cat says that depends a good deal on where you want to get to. And Alice says, I don't care much where. And the Cheshire Cat says, then it doesn't matter which way you go. <laughs> if, if it doesn't matter, if, if all of it is good and we just need to be a church and just do good things, then we get lost in this sort of directionless out there just hoping that we're being a church that's making a difference, hoping that we're being the people of God, doing what we're supposed to be doing generally, but we don't know. 
We know this in life that we need a goal. We need a, a measure. We need to know this is what we're here to do. And God has given that to us, and sometimes we just forget. So it's a reminder, this is what we're doing. So the three things that we are here to do, they're the same today as when we started. It's these. It's to be life-giving, to be community-building, and to be disciple-making. Again, very, sometimes very familiar words, very church words. They don't necessarily communicate necessarily on their own. So I believe God wants to give us a fresh perspective, a fresh understanding that when we're done with this, you're going to go, I know what that means. And I know what it means for me. And I know what it means for us. And I know the difference it's going to make for everybody else if we do that. We know what that's going to look like. So that's what this is about. So let's just take a moment. Would you just pray with me as we, before we begin? Heavenly Father, I believe that the church is yours. You've created this, Lord. Your word says you will build your church. We know that we are the church. It's not a building. It's not an organization. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a name, Lord. It's people. It's your people. You have brought us together to create this community called the church. So, God, as we look to what that means, would you help us, Holy Spirit, help us understand on a new level Lord, we are new people. We're not who we were in a world that's different. We're, it's not what it was. So, Lord, let us rise to the challenge and meet the demands of the church in this time in history. Let us know what you're calling us to do and be and what this looks like now. It's in your good name we pray. Amen. So we know, here we go, life-giving. The purpose of the church is to be life-giving. Giving. Our purpose is to be life-giving. That's the first one we're going to look at. We know what it means to give. Everybody knows what it means to give. The question is this, what is life? What is life? What does it mean to give life? Because we could talk about that. What are we talking about when we say life-giving? What does that mean? Jesus once had a conversation with a man named Nicodemus. Right? At night, he was a religious leader, and he came at night, and he said this this statement to Nicodemus in there. He says, humans can only reproduce human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So here's the thing. We're going to kind of break this down, that there's, a, there's these different understandings of what life is, right? We've, you've got the, the human body. We've got all this kind of, but there's something else that God is talking about when he's saying be life-giving. And the first thing we find out about life is that life is spiritual. That word there is, is pneuma. That's the word it, it's, it's used there. And that's a, it's not just a physical thing like breath or, or your heartbeat. Everybody, you can feel your heartbeat. You've got life in you. Like, he's like, well, how you doing? Well, still breathing, right? The, the ticker's still going, right? I'm, I'm, I'm still, that's life. That's the physical sense. But this word that Jesus uses here for spiritual is the same word used for the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, it's the sense of the soul, your sense of being. It's the part of you that is beyond definition. It's the essence of who you are, that God gives life to that. He says, it's not just so much, life isn't just what's happening outside you. It's not just what you look like. It's not the external stuff. That's not, this is living, right? Living isn't just, hey, I'm breathing, I'm doing the things, I'm, I'm eating, I'm having this physical experience. No, life is actually something, what he's talking about when he says we're here, we don't give people breath. We don't give people heartbeats. That's not what we're here to give. What, what God says he gives to us is spiritual. It's something in our soul. It's internal. 
He says, that's what I give to you. I give you who you are. That it's spiritual life. But it's not just spiritual life. John 3.16, you know it, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. See, the second thing life is, is it's eternal. Over and over again, we're told that God gives us this, this life that doesn't end, right? It's, it's not just temporal. I just, before service, I was outside just picking weeds from the, from the garden, and you, you know, guess what? Their life is over. I just unplugged them. They're done. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna fade, right? I, I've been, you know, you, if you, my, my blueberry bush is not putting out blueberries anymore. It's done. You buy flowers. You cut them. Guess what? They look beautiful for a couple days, and then they start to droop, and then they dry up, and there's no life in them anymore. The life God gives is not a temporary thing. See, we think we get, it's so life-giving. It's not just about a momentary thing. When God says he gives you life, it's big. It's really long. It doesn't have an end. And it's important because we can perceive life moment by moment. And God says, hey, the life I'm giving you is not, is not, is not limited to moments. You've got to zoom out and understand life from a long perspective. The life I give you has no end. Oh, I, I love that. There's a song. I don't know what song it is. This life has no end. Man, that's the life that God's talking about. It's, it's both it's inside us, but it's really, really long. But that's not all. John 1, 4, the word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. See, here's the thing about the life of God. It's a gift to everybody. It's offered to all. It's not exclusive. In our world, the life that they offer people, it's for some. Some people. It's, you can have it, but you can't. We pick one or the other. The life God gives, it's for everybody. It's open to all. We get to choose if we receive it or not, but that life is available. There's no limit to it, and it's a gift. Every time we experience life, it's like, oh, man, that's, God did something in me, and it's something he can do in everybody. It's not like I get it and you don't. I got the lottery. I won. You lose. It's a gift to all of us. But that's not all. John 6, 35, Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. See, here's the thing. It's satisfying. The life God gives, you're like, oh, this is it. You know, there are times where you feel like, all right, all right, I can die now, right? I've, I've, the, I ate the donut. It was so good, so life-giving. I'm, I'm satisfied. I am satisfied. But there's parts of us very deep inside that have these longings and we're looking for parts of life to satisfy that and the life god gives it zeroes in and fulfills your deepest needs so that when you experience it you go oh okay that was life i don't need anything else there's no lack fully satisfied that's life, right? So it's spiritual, it's inside us, it's eternal, it has no end, it's available for everybody, and it is deeply, 
deeply satisfying. But that's not all. John 5, 39, this is the last thing I'll say about this. He says, Jesus said, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. You think there's something about this understanding, this information that gives you eternal life. He says, but the scriptures, Jesus says, they point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. Here's the thing about, about life, right, that God gives. It's relational. It comes in relationship with him. It's not just a thing you can obtain independent of God. It is dependent on a relationship. It's not from a set of behaviors. It's not from accomplishments. It's not something you can buy. It's not something you can demand. It's not something you can earn or attain. It simply comes out of being in relationship. It says you search all the world looking for what's going to give me life. And Jesus is saying, I'm right here. It's me. It's Jesus. That's the kind of life God gives to us. It's, it's spiritual. It's eternal. It's a gift. It's satisfying. It's relation. It's all of those things. It's not what this world says is life. It's, it's something altogether different. That's the kind of life God gives to us, and he is the source of life. He has given us a powerful responsibility. God has told us that because he lives in us and because he gives us life, because God gives us all that kind of life, if you're in a relationship with God, all of those things are yours. If you're in a relationship with God, it is satisfying. It's a gift that you know is not just for you, it's for everybody. It's eternal. You have life that does not end, right? Just because you stop breathing or your heart stops beating does not mean life is over. Life extends far beyond that. If you have that, you know it's not just about what you have on the outside. It's what he's doing on the inside. All of those things are yours and God says this, because I live in you and give you that kind of life, guess what? You can give that kind of life to others. You can give that kind of life to others. We are designed to be life-giving people. We are supposed to be giving people that kind of life. And that's what I want to really zero in on today. What does that look like? How do we do that? How do you, how did you in this past week give life to people? How do you know? How do you know if you're being life-giving? How do we know this? Like, we want to be life-giving. Everybody would like to be life-giving, but how do you know that you're doing that? Right? These are things that we, we, we sort of know generally, but let's, let's really zero down and say, how does that look? In life, God has given us all five senses. Some of you have that sixth sense. Okay, I don't want to know about that one. All right, but God has given us five senses, right? And those senses help us perceive the world around us. That's how we, that's how we experience the life that we have, the physical life, right? How we understand the world. And God has given us power to give life. It's interesting. As I was reading through the scriptures, doing some study on this, I was like, wow, it hits all five senses, because our senses, if, if you had no senses, if you, if, you, you know, if you didn't have any senses, you wouldn't really know what to do with the world around you. It's those things that bring animation to our life. So let's, let's just take a look. John 5, 24, Jesus says this. He says, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. What sense is there? Hearing. Those who listen. Hearing, right? Speak the truth. 
as you share good news, as you speak, the life God gives us comes through the words that we speak, through the words of others to us and out of our words to others. Speak the word as you hear it, as you receive it. You receive life and hope and understanding. As we talk, as we share it, we all receive life from this. Have you ever, has anybody ever given you life-giving words? Ever, ever spoken life to you? They said something and you were like, wow, that, that did something to me. And it didn't do something just in my head that did something to my soul, that spiritual part of me, because they spoke life. You can speak life into people. Because, not because your words are so magical, but because the Spirit of God lives inside you. The life-giving God lives inside you, and he gives you that kind of power. And as we share it with others, they receive life, and as they share it with us, we receive life. Isn't that amazing? We can be life-giving with other people simply with our words because we hear it. Isn't that awesome? But that's not, we got, we got four other senses, so here we go. Let's keep going. Matthew 5, 13. He says this, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. What's that one? Taste. You taste it, right? Salt, you just add it to whatever you're cooking, and it brings out the flavor. It, add, it, it doesn't create flavor. It just draws out the flavor in whatever it is that you are eating. I believe that God has given us taste. That's why I like to eat. It's a gift of God. He gave us taste buds for a reason. There's something life-giving in taste. You ever eat this and go, oh, life, life, right? But this isn't just about taste. It's about bringing out the best in others, that because of you, you bring out the best in others. And he uses the, the imagery of taste. The life God gives brings out the best in us and in others. As you are in relationship with God, as you go through life like that, he draws out the best of us and empowers you to bring out the best in others just because you are with them, just because you're with them. Your presence among others, your interaction with them can actually, like salt, bring out the best in others. So again, think about this. Who brings out the best in you? Is there someone that is like salt to you, that they bring out the best in you, that just because you're around them, you're different? They, you, just, you just rise. Something about you is like, man, I feel better because I've been around them. Well, God says you can do that for somebody else. You can be the kind of person that people don't run from but run to because they're grateful for you because of what you do for them. Because you give life. You bring out the best in them. Matthew, the next verse, he says, not only are you the salt of the earth, verse 14 says, but you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. He says, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Okay, so now we've got sight, right? We've got sound, we've got taste, and now we've got sight. Light reveals the truth. 
It defeats deception. It warms. You step into the sun, you feel the warmth of the sun. It makes things grow right, when you have light. See, the light that God gives to us lights up our way and leads us in the right and best pathways. And we get to help each other navigate our way through life. Have you ever had somebody help you see a way forward or illuminate something that you couldn't see? You were confused. It was, you were in the dark. You didn't understand. Maybe you were just not recognizing something and somebody came alongside you and it was like the light came on. You go, ah, now I see. Now I see. And that in itself was life-giving because they helped you see what you couldn't see on your own. God helps us see, and we have the power to help others see things in their own life. Then Matthew 9, 18 says, The leader of a synagogue came and knelt before Jesus and said, My daughter has just died, but you can bring her back to life again if you just come and lay your hand on her. Touch touch. Jesus laid his hand on people and they were healed. The life God gives us touches the broken places in us and puts them back together and restores life to what was lifeless. And he has said for us that there's power in our touch. That we can bring healing to each other. One of my favorite TED Talks was by a doctor. Um, and he talked about in there, so many in the, in, in the medical profession have gotten so dependent on computers and technology and, and tests. He said what they're, what they're failing to do, stand next to the patient and put their hands on them and feel and say, hey, there's a connection here because there's something to the power of touch. Again, that's why being together is so important. I know Mike said amen because he's a hugger. Because there's something that's communicated and exchanged when you touch. Right? We've, we've, we've talked about this before, right? They're, they're the orphanages around the world, they've done studies that there are babies who went, went, Months without being touched. And they don't survive. They don't live because we need it. Because there's life in touch. Jesus put his hands on people and they were healed. There's something healing. And again, not just physical, but in our soul when we touch. When we care for, when we bring healing to each other. As we care for each other. As we engage with each other, it could be a handshake, a pat on the back. It could be a hug. But there's something healing about being together. It's life-giving. Then I want to end with this one. 2 Corinthians 2.14, it says, But thank God he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Just pay attention for a minute to that word, triumphal procession. Right? So you get the imagery here of like a parade. Okay, just think about that. It says, verse, verse uh, keeps on going. It says, now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, 
We are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. Again, clearly, sense of smell, right? That's where we're going. That's why you've got the perfume bottle on the end. It informs our understanding. It's beyond sight, beyond sound. There's something when we smell that can transport us places. What are your favorite smells? Right, think about it. My, right, remember, what is it? Ice cream and donuts. There you go. It's, you know, some baked goods in the house. You know, chocolate, you know, garlic and onions like frying. Oh, oh man, heaven. Here are the angels. Here are the angels. But it takes me back to Sunday mornings growing up, walking into our house after church. My mom would have had the crock pot on with meatballs in there and so on. And the house that smell like, Right? There's just certain smells, you know, maybe you like, you know, you smell coconut and you think beach, right? Or maybe you, a perfume that your mom or your grandmother wore and it, like you smell it and it takes you back to those places, to those people, right? Maybe you like fresh cut grass. I don't know if you're weird. You like, you like that smell. It's like, ah, oh, you know, even, you know, new car smell. I don't know what it is. There are fragrances that they just do something to us. In Roman times, they would have military processionals or parades um, after they had won a great victory. What would happen is they would, they would take the commander or the general, whoever was leading the army, and they would set a day and a time, and they would, they would just have this parade through the city, and everybody would know that it was going to happen. And so they would, they, they would get themselves ready, and people would crowd around, and they would have flowers everywhere. And, and every home or every place there was an altar anywhere, they would burn incense and this incense would be just everybody would be burning it as they were celebrating this great military victory as the parade came through the streets of Rome. There was a smell associated with it. It was the smell of victory. That's why he said, Paul said here, listen, he said, there's going to be, right, this triumphant processional says, God has now led us like a triumph. We're with the one who won. There's a victory here. There's a champion, and there's a scent that comes with it. That scent is our lives as we're celebrating, as we're worshiping, as we're cheering for the one who won victory for us. He says, listen, that smell is going to remind you. It's going to be a cause for celebration. But here's the thing. In their processionals, they would also include all the conquered people. Not saying it was right, but it's what the Romans would do. So you'd have the, the military commanders, all the champions, and then walking behind them would be all the prisoners of war, all the people that were conquered, and they'd be in the same parade. And guess what? The this, this same incense that smelled amazing to the people who won would mean something very different the captives it feel like this was defeat life was over and he says in the passage paul says he says listen the same fragrance to those who are being saved to those who are like yeah i'm all in on jesus that same fragrance that is life-giving is going to be the smell of death to them see because we're going to go through life and as you and i live in relationship with god you have a smell. The odor of Christ is in you. And for some people, it's going to be life-giving. But for other people, 
who are not interested in God, who, are, who, who just say, I don't want any part of that. And it's interesting because if you look at the text here, I'm not going to get into all the grammar. You can do a study. But it says here, the people that feel like it's life-giving, right, they receive that. The people that, that feel like it's death, he says, they choose that. None of them, right, nobody had it forced upon them. Nobody nobody's naturally didn't like that smell. That's a choice. It's, it's very interesting that grammatically it's what it's saying, that it's open to all. But there are going to be people who are just not interested in you. And you say, I should be life-giving to you. They don't have an issue with you. They've got an issue with who you smell like. <laughs> it's not about you. The life God gives us is the smell. We're called to be a life-giving church. This is what we're here to do. So as we live out, in every sense, God is making us life-giving. From our words, right, to, to all of those things that we talked about. So what? So what? We're going to wrap this up. So whether you've been a part of Life Tree for a long time, or whether today is perhaps your first time, I just want you to know this. This is a life-giving community. Everybody, please hear this. If you're listening online, listen to this. This is a life-giving community. If you need someone to speak truth and hope and good news to you, these are the people that will do that. If you need someone to bring out the best in you, we'll be salty with you. We'll tell you that you're better than that. We'll challenge you and, and push you, and we'll walk with you. If you're in a dark place, if you're in a dark place and you need light, we're going to bust out the floodlights. We'll turn on the sun. If you're broken and hurting and in need of healing, you'll find loving and kind hands here. you need victory we know how to throw some parades we're going to celebrate our king's rule and our reign he's, he's, he's won this for us the very first foundational mission we have as a church is to be life giving more than anything else this is what we're here to do and not only do you get to receive life from the church you get to give it. See, if you become part of the church, guess what? You get to be part of that life-giving force. There's only one requirement. If you want to be part of a life-giving community, there's only one requirement. You have to be connected to the source of life. You want to give life, we invite you to join us. You just got to stay connected to him. Because you can't be life-giving if you're detached from the source of life. You unplug from the socket, you got no power. But if you are actively in relationship with God, you will be life-giving in all of your senses. You will make a difference wherever you go. You will bring out the best in people. You'll be salty. Your words will speak and find ears that hear. 
the light inside you is going to shine brightly and guide others to truth. You'll bring healing through your simple care. You're going to smell like God because you've been around him so much. People won't be able to ignore it. Practically, I mean, it's really very simple. You just need to spend time with God every day. It's not, it's not complicated. Just spend time and you smell like him. Listen, I talked about this before. Mike's a hugger. Every time I, hi, I, hug, I hug Mike, I mean, I walk away smelling like him. It's like a $5 hug, like the cologne rubs off, and I'm like, I smell like Mike for at least a couple hours. You spend time in the presence of God, you smell like him. People notice. You're different. It's not just a physical odor. There's something much different, more different going on. Remain in him. He will remain in you. You want to be life-giving? That's it. It's all it takes. Remain in the one who is the life giver. Remain in relationship. And you will be life giving. See, if we're not a life giving church, we're nothing. We could do all the other things that are churchy, but if we are not giving life to people, what are we doing? We'll have words with no meaning. Salt that's lost its power. Light that will be hidden. Touch that can't heal and will smell like death. But if we'll remain in relationship with the life giver. Hmm. See, we don't gather here on Sundays only to encourage and build up each other. We also come here to gather so we can be encouraged to go be life giving. You want a, you want a, a mission for this week? Go be life giving. Stay connected to God and go be life-giving. That's what we're doing. It's the measure of our success. If we had 100 buildings and everyone in the county attended our church and we had more ministries and money than we knew what to do with, if we had all, every measure, if we had a TV station, if we had owned half the internet, most watched TikTok videos, we were not life-giving be for nothing this week it's our collective mission which means it's also your individual mission be life-giving it's what we're here to do same thing now as it was 13 years ago as it was the day the earth began God gave life and he continues to give life and we're here to be life giving. Speak it, cook it up, light it up, reach out, smell it up. doesn't matter. If we're being life-giving, then we are being the church that we're called to be. Let's take a moment. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you are the life giver. All our life, not only our breath, but our soul, our spirit, you give life every part of us and you've charged us with being life-giving people not just life accepting life receiving but life giving that means our life is meant to be spent giving life to others and right now we confess we probably haven't always been faithful to that 
Father, please forgive us for the times we've only cared about our own life. That we've not given attention to giving life to other people. And we ask you to give us a heart for others today. Give us a heart that desires to see the same life that you've given to us passed on to others. Not a temporary, momentary, preferential life for some. But Lord, a soul-satisfying life that never ends. Because it's rooted in a relationship with you. As we look around us, may we see the people who need the life that only you can give. Put their faces in front of us right now. Life that starts in their soul that will never end, God. That will satisfy their deepest longings. Make us life-giving people. May our church be a profoundly life-giving church. May that be the message of life tree. May that be Lord, what's true of us, that we are life-giving. May every one of us give life to the people we encounter every day. It all comes from you. God, use us. Right where you are, just invite God. Just say, God, use me to be life-giving. Use our words to be life-giving. Use our hands to be life-giving. Use our spirit to be life-giving. Use our presence to be life-giving. God. May we smell like the scent of your presence draw people to you. And may it lead them home to the fullness of life. How good you are. How good you are. In your wonderful